thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. If there's going to be a resurrection, if there is ever going to be a resurrection, what does that mean? Something has to die. In order for there to be a resurrection power, something has to die. And then when we read in there, we say, well, we have to crucify the flesh with its passion and desires, then there can be a resurrection. Without that happening in you and in me, we want the resurrection life, but we want the flesh life too. I want the resurrection life. I want the flesh life too. And therein lies the battle. That's where we all live, between the tension between those two points. We want the resurrection life, but we don't want to let that go. We don't want to die to that. I want the resurrection life. Oh, you know, and we're just kind of, and I think, generally speaking, this is what most of Christianity looks like. We're just, we're not going any direction. We're just kind of in this, stuck in this spot, trying to hang on to both things. And Jesus was so clear about that, wasn't he? He said, I would that you were either hot or cold. Please, be one or the other. Don't ride the fence. Get on or get off. Follow me or don't follow me. But you know, brothers and sisters, this is not a popular message in our time in which we live. It's a needed message, but it is not a popular message. The popular message is, hey, you're really a good person, and you're doing good things, and you're going to be okay. You just keep doing good, and, and that's good, and we talk about good, and we're all just good, and we feel good about being together because we're just good. And that's, 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 that's like fluffo. You remember fluffo? Fluffo's like, you know, it's like this marshmallowy stuff that you put on your peanut butter sandwich when you're a kid. And it's just, there's nothing good in it. It's just a bunch of stuff that seems like it's good, and it sounds kind of like it might be good, but there's nothing good in it for you, you know? The idea is, is people are buying in all around the world. People are buying in on that kind of a concept, but crucify the flesh. Put it to death. Man, we, we just we look at that and we say, oh, whoa, that's kind of extreme. Yeah, yep, it was extreme. When Jesus died on the cross for your sin and my sin, that was extreme. But I, what I'm driving at, I'm trying to push some buttons tonight because I want you to really think, do you believe it? You really believe that he was crucified for your sin and for my sin? I believe that. I believe 2,000 years ago he was walking on the face of the earth and he was crucified publicly. One, I believe it by faith. Two, it's a historical fact. <laughs> the only thing that everybody's freaked out about was did the resurrection actually take? No one's question of whether there was a person that was referred to as Jesus the Christ. There's, there's no real significant debate over that. It was a historical fact. And that he was crucified. Th- those are historical facts. And that his body's missing from the face of the earth. They can't never find that either. Well, that's because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, so it'd be kind of difficult for them to find it. But you get the idea. The thing is, is if we, by faith, 
really, really believe that to be true, our lives every day are going to be significantly different than the world that surrounds us. I'm not talking about the clothes you choose to wear, haircut you choose to get, or anything else. That's not what I'm talking about. But something inside of me, inside of you, is going to view this life differently. We're going to see things different. Because you see, what really matters Did Saul really have any real impact? See, I don't think Saul really had any kind of real impact. David found in the song that he sings about the bow and stuff, he finds a couple of good things, you know, to kind of give reference to. That's pretty optimistic and cool of him, I thought, you know, in that last portion of the chapter tonight. But he really left nothing significant because he lived a a fleshy life. I don't want that for you. I would rather say the things that are hard to say, that are difficult to talk about, that are more, more difficult to work through. And I'm not talking about trying to be self-righteous and pious. I'm talking quite the opposite. I'm talking about understanding in humility that we are absolutely wretched apart from the person of Jesus Christ dwelling within us. Do we believe, really, that there is no good thing that dwelleth in me? Do we believe that? See, so much of the time, even in our thinking that we're crummy people, we're drawing all this attention to ourselves because we're such a crumb and we're such a yuck and we're such a, you know, and all this. And, and it's, it's self-serving in that because we're drawing attention to ourselves. Just let it die and follow the Lord. Man, that's where the power is. Something's got to die, then there's resurrection. If you don't let it die, no resurrection. And it's painful sometimes, isn't it? I find it to be difficult. I I don't think anything about this is easy. Think about it. Something good goes down that you are involved in. What do you do with that? This is where you can really start telling whether it's really God in you. Something good really goes down that you are involved in, and and especially if there's any kind of a hint of spiritualness associated with it. Now it's all of a sudden I'm like a spiritual giant or something, you know? Because there's this good, God knew that I could be trusted with that. And so God decided to move through me in that situation. Bull, trash it quick. You are not that. That's the thing. You see, see, we don't, again, I'm trying to get to this point of, do you really believe what Jesus said? That the flesh profits nothing. Because right then, right there, I had you. you. You see what I'm saying? We have ourselves in that spot right there where we believe that we had something to do with that. That's the danger right there. That's how you know, oh, wow, I may not be quite thinking right. Because God wants to move in and through each of us. But it's not because of your value, the intrinsic value of who you are. God loves you simply Because he loves you. He loves you. But it's not because he needs something from you or you've got something of more value than the person five doors down or around the corner sitting right next to you. No. God is an amazing God that can simply look at each one of us individually and collectively and say, I love you with a perfect love. That's what makes him God, and that's what makes him worth following. That's what makes him worth worshiping. That's what makes him worth giving your all for, 
It's because he has the capacity to look at you and to look at me and to love us right where we're at, even in the midst of knowing that we are fleshy a lot of the time. Even, even if we actually, any of us were willing to, to come clean on that and say, no, I think probably that happens a fair amount. And we start thinking, oh gosh, yeah, that was pretty good. That was a good insight there, wasn't it? Hmm, you know? I just want to read this quickly. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, the key verse. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Ultimately, that's the objective. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We watch as we read through Saul's life. We watch this all, all play out before our eyes in 1 Samuel. We watch the whole thing from start to finish. And now as we conclude, we realize now an Amalekites come along and thrust him through and done him in. I think realizing that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. So often we can perceive ourselves differently than really where we're at. And I, I just think it's, it's not to be demeaning. It's not to be anything other than just transparent and honest. And to understand that, man, there is no good thing that dwelleth in me, in and of myself. I would just only seek to please me, left to my own resources. I would, you know, that's just, that's who we are. That's what we're born into, the sin nature. And somehow as we get going along in life, we want to feel better about ourselves because we're told we need to have a good vantage point of us. You know, we use big words, you know, you know, have a good, you know, self-esteem and all that stuff. And I, okay. To me, if you want self-esteem, read through Genesis. Get a good grip on who God is and then realize that he knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And, and not a sparrow falls, a bird falls to the ground and dies, but that he doesn't know about it. And he loves you much more than any of these. What, what do you really need to be built up but that to know that the creator of the universe knows right where you are this evening, knows right what you're listening to, knows what you're thinking about, knows everything about you, knows the future, knows the past, knows the present. What, what do you need to be built up but that the, the creator of the universe knows, knows you? As a matter of fact, knew you 
from the foundations of this earth, before it was created, he knew you. That's a God worth loving. That's a God worth following. Man, we've got to do it in humility. We've got to do it crucifying the flesh with its passion and desires and simply follow him. I love how uncomplicated it can be. When you read that portion, that was out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. I read that not infrequently to myself. Because sometimes I feel like, wow, that was really stupid, Jim. Why did you do that? Well, you've just proved out that God has chosen the foolish things of the world. You just got to remember that sometimes. God's chosen to use foolish things. Okay, well, you've proven yourself to be that, and that's fine. Now let's move on. The base things. But see, I, I really, I find it hard to believe that most people that I interact with really see themselves in that light. Even as Christians, we just don't see ourselves in that light. We believe there's something good in us, in our flesh. We believe we spend a lot of time trying to make sure we can help God and that we can prove we were worthy of this salvation that he's bestowed upon us. I would just stop. I would stop. Just stop trying. You don't need to prove anything to God. God loves you and accepts you. That's the biggest key to the Christian journey, that God loves you and he accepts you. This is the last one, Acts 14. You remember this story when we read it. When we start reading it, you'll remember this. And in Lystra, verse 8, Acts 14, verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, in the natural, that seems like a pretty rude thing to say to a guy that's been lame from his mother's womb, right? That seems pretty uncool to do to somebody. Not if you believe that God's going to touch him and that, they can, that they're going to walk. It's a pretty great thing to do. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Oh my gosh. Look at this miraculous thing. You know, this is what they're, this is their, they're enthralled with what has just occurred. Absolutely, completely blown away. And Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priests of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their, their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran among the multitudes, crying out, and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preached to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and that all is in them. And who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness and that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. With these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. Something good goes down. I guess the thing is, is, is when it gets right down to it, is when we're doing something, do we want to do it 
for the praise of others. You see, when we do something, do we want to do it for the accolades? Because that makes us feel good about us. So when we're doing something, do I do it for the, is the motivation to receive the accolades, the, 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 the praise of others, the applause of others, whatever it might be. Do I do it for that because that then makes me feel good? Or am I thinking just like what Paul and Barnabas did here? They saw the guy's need. They believed God was going to move. God did move. God healed the guy. Everybody freaked out. Not, oh, 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 my gosh. It's Zeus. It's Hermes. This is crazy. They've come down. This is their mindset. They're trying to figure out in the natural what it was that happened. And Paul and Barnabas just naturally walked up. Yeah, right on, man. Bring that bullock over here. Let's, let's start the party, man. This is awesome. It's like, yeah. No way, man. They rent their garments. They tore their clothes. Look, what are you doing? I love having the times that we get to enjoy with the testimonies of others and listening to them. I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy listening to the things that are happening. I love listening to people's just story of what God did in their lives and, and how, how God did it and just the various circumstances that occur to get to that point. But the common thread, the common thread in a real valuable testimony is this. I was nothing. I may have appeared to be something, but deep down I was empty. I was desperate and I was messed up. God met me right where I was at, made himself real to me, and I am changed. And it's not because of anything about me, but it's because of who God is, and he's made himself known to me. That is a good, powerful testimony of any shape, size, form, or anything. The common thread of this powerful testimony is, I was nothing though I may have appeared to be something in some people's vantage point. I was empty. I was in need. I was at the end of myself, and God made himself real. God came into my life, changed my life. I've never been the same since. You see, whatever our accomplishments are, okay, I've been mentioning this for years about marking up and putting names on buildings and all that stuff. And that, that, that when you do that, that is the best that man can do. That's the monument to man. That that's the best man could do on behalf of God. I'm just going to kick back and I want to watch and see what the best God can do for God. I just want to watch God work. Two different perspectives. I drive past there now and it's empty on Sunday morning right now, currently. It's horrible. It's an indictment on every one of us, on Christianity. It's horrible. It's a sad, sad, sad state of affairs, in my opinion, all the way through. Grievous to me. But you see the reality of what I'm saying. The best that men can do, there it is. There it is, the best that men can do. And it can go like that in just a heartbeat, huh? But when it's God that does it, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? 
but it's just God that moves. It's a good thing. It's got God's fingerprints all over it, God's markings all over it. That's what we want to watch for, is God to move, God to be the one at work. See the difference? The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit constantly warring with one another. When you're in the flesh, you're willing just to do and say whatever. When we're, as believers, we've got the potential to do either, right? Because you're a Christian, it's not a guarantee you're going to operate in the Spirit. Does anybody think that? I'm a Christian. I'm always going to operate in the Spirit. Anybody? No one believes that, do you? I hope not, because that would be, I'm, I'm, hopefully we've straightened that out, if that was a thought. Um, we've shot holes in that balloon. But the idea is, is that knowing that, okay, as a Christian, I have door one and door two. I've got the flesh and the Spirit. I, I can choose one or the other in a given situation. The Lord, sometimes it's a split-second decision sometimes. Am I going to take that into myself? Was it really your willpower for some of us that know that it was substance or alcohol or whatever some of us struggled with? Was it really your willpower that delivered you from some of that? What about some of the cattywampus thinking that we've had in our lives? Perversities and weirdness that's gone on in our minds. What about, was that... God that delivered us from some of that? Or was it us? Did we, oh no, I exercised great. It was just tremendous willpower and, you know. Now what hope do you give the person that has no willpower? What hope do you give a guy like me? I would just, it would be the bird and I'd be down the road. You got nothing for me, man. I'm serious. I told people that. When I was in the world, I told people that. You've got nothing, you offer me nothing. I could care less about anything you're talking about because that's great for you. That you have great willpower and that you were able to do this and you were able to do it. That doesn't help some, somebody like me. When somebody says, no, no, wait a minute. God can come back into your life and God can change you. God can take that, that desire out of your life. God can remove that. You mean just anybody? No, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what. You see the difference? So if we're plastic, if we're plastic in front of other people, what effect does that have on others? You're not giving them. I'm not giving that. We're not giving them hope. God changes lives. Not because you are the only one that's changeable. No. You're just to be the proof, textbook proof to others around that God can change lives and that God loves sinners and that God wants to be a part of our lives. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. I know a lot of times as we listen to the Word, sometimes we really get convicted by God's Word. And you know, there's those times where we really need to repent and give our lives over to the Lord. The Bible, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, death is something, this, this destructive force, and it's this thing that, you know, our, our bodies are in this slow decay process, and, and, you know, ultimately, we all are going to have a physical death, but spiritually, you don't have to die. We would die in our sin if not for the gift of God, and that's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we want to receive that gift. We don't want to be paid the wages of our sin. We want to have everlasting life. And so you can pray this simple prayer of faith. If you've been 
you know, listening and just hearing and just knowing that, man, God's tugging on your heart and you just know that there's something more to this life. Well, God wants to make himself real to you, just like he's done in my life as I was once troubled and struggling and distant from God, partying, trying to drown all my, all my sorrows as it were. But, but the, you know, the Lord is there and he loves you and wants to meet you right where you're at. Just pray this simple prayer along with me. It doesn't matter whether you're driving or out on a walk, just with your earbuds in, just in, in a place where you can listen on your computer, wherever you might be. If you're listening to this right now, you can pray this simple prayer and have everlasting life. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin. I want to ask that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. I don't want the wages of sin, which is death, but I want the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus, my Lord now. I'm thankful, Lord, for your forgiveness, and I just ask that, Lord, as I start this new life, you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might please you and bring you glory. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.